Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I think I'm going to talk about Wicca today. That's not the subject that I had in mind originally, but it just popped into my head. Let's talk about Wicca, witchcraft. If there's a spiritual tradition that has strong parapsychological elements, Wicca would be it. And I can tell you this, there was a time in my life when uh, I spent a lot of time hanging around with the practitioners of Wicca who, who lived in Berkeley, California. And I have to say, I love those people. We had rituals that we conducted in the uh, big grove of um, those Australian gum trees, eucalyptus trees on the Berkeley campus, enormous circle of eucalyptus trees where the uh, Wiccans would gather and uh, celebrate their... I, I, it's really not so much a faith as a culture, but there, there were beautiful people and there were many different groups of, of people who practiced Wicca or something similar. There was the new reformed order of the Golden Dawn. There was the uh, reformed Druids of North America in Berkeley in, in those years. And uh, I was actually quite close to and very fond of, of those people for some time. And I think it would be fair to say I was integrated into that group of people. They were uh, really, I, I guess you'd have to say, a, an amalgamation of pagans of various types, people into different sorts of esoteric cultures, tarot, reading, Kabbalah, uh, astrology, herbalism. And uh, it was it was a good time for me. And in many ways, it was the springboard from which I began to launch a career, a more serious career in parapsychology. And I think I've told this story once before, but it's worth repeating because uh, when I first went to Berkeley in 1970, I met Frank X. Barron. I made a point of going down to Santa Cruz, where he was a professor at the University of California at Santa Cruz. And um, this was early on in my uh, criminology uh, graduate career at, at Berkeley. In fact, what I had hoped to do was to kind of combine criminology with my interest in mysticism and do a special independent study on the effects of isolation of living alone. Well, uh, it's a big interest to uh, criminologists because, of course, they put prisoners into uh, isolation. And furthermore, there's the issue of what happens when somebody escapes a prison and then they're in, perhaps they're in a forest somewhere and they have to live all by themselves in a forest. How can they survive? How, how long can we expect them to survive? Uh, what are they likely to do? What, and, and so on. But my interest was really more personal. I was interested in isolation to see how it would affect my consciousness and I believe as I've reported earlier, that I was studying a magical grimoire called the Book of the Sacred Magic of Abra Malin the Mage. And in that book, 
it describes a magical ritual, the preparation of which requires six months of living in total sensory isolation. Well, not sensory, really, total social isolation for six months. And I was, I was actually contemplating putting myself through that ritual and at the same time writing a uh, independent study project at the university. And who better, I thought, to discuss these things with than Frank the Baron, who was a specialist in the psychology of creativity. Well, I admired his book, Creativity and Psychological Health, and that's why I went to see him. Uh, I'd studied that book as an undergraduate back at the University of Wisconsin in the 1960s. And uh, Frank Barron was a wonderful guy. He He's the kind of psychologist who tried to study some of the great creative thinkers of his time. I know, uh, for example, he wanted to study uh, the writer, Norman Mailer, and Mailer was a boxer. Mailer insisted that Frank Barron get into the boxing ring with him. So, <laughs> he did. That's the kind of person he was. And when I met with him, uh, he's one of the people who encouraged me to add a parapsychological element to this research, this solitude project in which I was engaging in. And he also told me an experience of his own. He had met one of his, I think it was actually a student of his, probably was, because there were lots of students into Wicca. He said he met a student. I'm going to say a student, but maybe it wasn't. A person who was a witch. And he was curious, and he was sitting at home in his study and thinking to himself, okay, witch, if you're real, prove your power. And at that moment, synchronistically, from out of who knows where, a stone came and hit the window outside of his study. It made a loud noise and got his attention, and he thought to himself, hmm, maybe there is something to witchcraft. Maybe there's something to this Wicca. And what presumably it entails, you could call it manifestation. The rituals of witchcraft have a lot to do with manifestation, including, one might say, at a psychokinetic level. I mention it because it occurs to me that maybe I've had a, a more than a passing interest in uh, psychokinesis because it, it was not long after I uh, moved away from my Wicca friends and more into more serious academic studies that I encountered Ted Owens, the PK man, and began researching him. I really uh, can't say that I've personally had any obvious examples of psychokinesis in my life. I've never caused objects to levitate. I've never attempted to influence the weather the way Ted Owens did. But I did endeavor to manifest. And what I endeavored to manifest at the time when I uh, met Ted Owens, and I've uh, said this before, it deserves repetition. He said to me, as we began his training, what would you like to do if you had this power? And I thought about it, and I said, well, really, what I want to do is to become a communicator to the mainstream 
of our society about the realities that are known in the psychic and esoteric and occult worlds. I want to manifest myself as that kind of a communicator. And surely that has happened. I mean, <laughs> I'm doing this YouTube channel now, but I realized that when I was on public television, I had hundreds of millions of views because we were out on the satellite and carried by as many as a hundred stations across North America. And I'm setting a goal, and I'll let you know what that goal is right now. I want to see this YouTube channel achieve as many viewers as we had on public television. And so I'm talking about hundreds of millions. Now, we're up over two and a half million now. So basically, I'm looking for a hundredfold increase. So I want to reach people. I want to create that army of <laughs> telepathic monkeys or telepathic apes that I've referred to in an earlier in-presence. So, the question that you might be thinking about for yourself at this point is, is there a little bit of a Wiccan, a witch in you? Do you ever find that sometimes the universe just assists you a little bit and you're able to manifest things in uncanny, inexplicable ways? I know uh, in a Judeo-Christian culture, the cultivation of uh, witchcraft, the possibilities implicit in the culture of witchcraft are frowned upon. But doesn't that make it even all the more enticing for some of you? Or not? I can say this from my personal acquaintance with many practitioners of witchcraft, I find them to be lovely people. Sometimes they can be a little rough, sometimes they can be a little vindictive, but then again, people who are uh, practitioners of the anti-witchcraft religions can also be a bit rough and vindictive too. And in fact, let's face it, the uh, Christian culture in the Middle Ages uh, went to great lengths to wipe out witchcraft. I think uh, the statistics show that maybe as many as a hundred thousand witches were burned at the stake. Well, people who were characterized as witches, they may not have even been actual practitioners, but perhaps somebody you know, was jealous of their property or somebody got sick and wanted to blame somebody else. But in any case, it was, it was a fury. Now, <laughs> My mentor, Arthur Young, once put it this way. He said, if you want to talk about paradigm shifts, I'll tell you a paradigm shift. Only a few hundred years ago, we burned witches at the stake. And now today, the mainstream paradigm is that witchcraft doesn't exist. There is no such thing. Well, which witch is it? So, from my point of view, if you feel a little witchy occasionally, that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. Uh, once again, of course, I would remind you of Rudolf Steiner's 
quote that that I love to repeat, which is take two steps towards developing your character before you take one step toward knowledge or power. But I will say that I think practitioners of Wicca uh, are interested in knowledge and power, and I suspect that anybody viewing this videotape might have such an interest as well. So, all the more reason to develop your character more strongly. And I'll leave you with those thoughts once again. Thank you for being with me.